Hi, this is Suparna Goswami, Principal Correspondent with Information Security Media Group. Cybersecurity market in Asia is seeing a lot of consolidation with companies merging and getting acquired to leverage each other's strengths. However, with acquisitions comes the IT risks. Verizon's Yahoo acquisition is probably the best example of how security needs to be an important consideration during acquisitions. So what are some important security considerations during an M&A? Speaking more on this is Steve Ledzian, CTO for Asia at FireEye. Welcome, Steve, to the ISMJ discussion. Hi, Sparana. Thanks for having me today. So, Steve, FireEye has come out with its M-Trends report. So, I wanted to check what are some important trends that you have noticed this year and what are the areas where you find a massive difference compared to last year's report? Yeah, well, 2019 marks 10 years of the M-Trends report. There's a lot of interesting trends in the report this year. Notably, we've seen extortion cases, cyber extortion cases on the rise. Uh, you probably don't read about those in the media too much for obvious reasons. But given that these are on the rise, organizations should consider looking at adding cyber extortion scenarios as a priority to their tabletop exercises, right? Have some practice with that, have some experience with that, because we are seeing companies uh, being breached, email being stolen, and then uh, that email, you know, uh, potentially threatened for release to be made public unless, you know, a certain amount of Bitcoin is paid to, to the threat actor. So having a better preparation for those cyber extortion cases is one way that organizations could have better readiness. Of course, one of the highlights of the M-Trends report is the dwell time. So this is the, the time it takes from a time of intrusion to the time of discovery. And this year in Asia Pacific, we have some good news that that dwell time in Asia Pacific has gone down considerably. But Asia Pacific is still higher than the rest of the world when we compare against EMEA and America. So there's still work to do there as well. Steve, as you would know that companies in the cybersecurity industry are getting consolidated. So as we see more of these mergers and acquisitions happening, as a security practitioner, what are some important considerations or important things that I need to keep in mind during this process? What are some of the attacks that I should be particularly concerned about? Yeah, phishing is a particular risk to be concerned about during M&A. But of course, there is, there's actually many risks. And one of the best ways to counter all of these risks is to uh, do a compromise assessment of the organization that's being acquired. So a compromise assessment will provide visibility into whether there is an active compromise or a compromise in the past in that organization. And of course, when a acquiring organization connects its network to the organization that's acquired, the overall security posture is going to be the, the least common denominator uh, of those two organizations. Right? And so it's very important that as companies are doing their due diligence around M&A activities, that they also consider what is the cybersecurity posture of the organization that I'm acquiring and is it introducing any risk when we connect our networks. Correct. It's certainly a best practice to have, but you have been in the industry for a long time. How much are you seeing this being followed? Yeah, I think there's always room for improvement. You know, often there's a lot of pressures to, to look at. Security is sometimes an afterthought, but in fact, we've seen, you know, a number of acquisitions now that have been made public uh, that have been impacted after 
the, the acquisition has been completed to only find that the company that got acquired was breached. And now that breach has become a, a rather large problem for the company that had done the acquiring. So what steps as a CISO should I follow up when you say that, you know, you should do the regular security check? So what would be those two, three important steps? Yeah, well, so the security check, again, is this this compromise assessment. So maybe let me familiarize your uh, listeners with compromise assessment. So these are different than penetration tests. You know, a penetration test asks the question, am I vulnerable? Is there a way that an attacker could get in, similarly with red teams? Compromise assessment is asking a different question. It's asking the question, am I breached without knowing it? And, and this ties back to the dwell time that we talked about earlier. The dwell time in the M-Trends report this year is 204 days. Uh, that is from the time of intrusion to the time of discrete, nearly seven months. And, and given that that time is so long, one of the questions that, in fact, probably the most important security question that you can ask is, could that be me? Could I be breached without knowing? And a compromise assessment answers that question. It answers, is there an active intrusion or a previous intrusion in the organization? It does that by instrumenting the endpoints for visibility. It does that for instrumenting the network for visibility. It, it looks inside of the organization very deeply to find any evidence of a compromise. So what are some common methods or methodologies being used by attackers to carry out such attacks? Yeah, so there's a number of different methodologies that attackers use, and they vary from stage to stage across the attack lifecycle. If we're talking about phishing, it's really the exploitation of trust, right? So if you think about an environment where two companies are engaged in M&A activities. There's going to be unfamiliarity between the individuals in those organizations. There, there may also be a need for secrecy, right, if the M&A has, has not completed yet. So you can envision threat actors taking advantage of this, saying, you know, as part of the M&A, uh, we need to transfer this sum of money. It needs to be kept confidential and, and not widely known. These are all things that, that benefit threat actors as well. And we see them exploiting these during uh, M&A activities. An interesting aspect that I found going through the report is it seems that attackers are able to bypass multi-factor authentication. Now, if I have multi-factor authentication as a CISO, I have done my due diligence, right? So what else do I need to do to stop such attacks? Yeah, so MFA is a very strong security control. But like all security controls, nothing is 100%. And, and I think you've got to look carefully about not just whether you have or don't have multi-factor authentication. Uh, don't, don't think of it as a checkbox. That, that lends itself more to sort of a compliance mindset. There, there really has to be a little bit more scrutiny around how are we using multi-factor authentication. So for example, are you using multi-factor authentication just for external access? Or are your critical internal applications also requiring multi-factor authentication? There's been some notable breaches of organizations that have used multi-factor authentication, but had sort of the backup or fail-safe methods, the same applications that were single-factor authentication. And attackers often find these alternative methods. So it's not just, do I have multi-factor authentication or not? It's, you know, how really are you using multi-factor authentication? How is that multi-factor authentication part of a layered defense to make sure you have as robust a security posture as possible? Of course, you want your external entry points into the network 
covered with multi-factor authentication, so things like your, your VPN access. But you also want your privileged accounts, uh, access to critical business systems, which might only be accessible internally, also to be covered over multi-factor authentication as well. Okay. So also, Steve, when it comes to phishing attacks, where exactly do you think are organizations missing the mark? Because it's something that has been known for years now. It's not It's not something that has been discovered just a year ago. So aren't enterprises implementing email solutions like DMARC? Where are the challenges they're finding exactly? Yeah, so things like DMARC and the, the other uh, solutions, SPF and DKIM, those are all great security controls and organizations definitely should, should have those in place. But similar to as we were talking about with multi-factor authentication, while there's strong security controls, there's always exception cases and and no security control provides 100% preventative capability. So it's important, again, to have a layered defense, have uh, solutions like DMARC in place. But the reality is that today about 91% of cyber attacks start as email. So it's critically important to have very, very strong email security. And specifically, you want to look at email security capabilities that, of course, find uh, malicious attachments. And in fact, we're seeing that threat actors are moving away from malicious attachments in preference to malicious URLs, which are harder to analyze and, and catch than perhaps a malicious attachment. Those malicious URLs could be in the body of an email message. They could be in the attachment of a clean attachment. So this means your email security solution needs to be smart enough to open and inspect PDF documents or Microsoft Office documents. Go and parse those documents, find those URLs, and analyze those URLs to make sure they're not leading to malicious sites. Add on to that, that attackers will often add additional layers through shortening URL services to add additional layers of redirection. And of course, there's a malwareless attacks, which is what many of the phishing attacks are, attacks that put up fake login pages in an attempt to do credential phishing or impersonation attacks like business email compromise attacks. So there's a, a lot of things to worry about when it comes to a proper email security. DMARC and, and those types of solutions are a good start, but you, you really want an extremely strong email security solution because it's really your front line of defense and, and where most of the attacks start. So some additional investment and some additional capability to cover all the areas that I just mentioned are really prudent. So what will be those additional investments technology-wise? Yeah, so you want to look at a secure email gateway solution that has exactly those capabilities. Can it do static analysis of attachments? Can it do dynamic analysis of attachments? Does it have anti-evasion capabilities when it's doing dynamic analysis? Beyond attachment analysis, is it capable of doing URL analysis? Is it capable of uh, inspecting those URLs in the body of message or in the attachments? Is it capable of retroactively uh, identifying changes in the, the website data that those URLs point to? So one of the tactics that we see is uh, cyber attackers will build a clean website and send out an email with a URL pointing to that clean website. Uh, the email security gateways will go and analyze it and, and not find any threat there. And then only after the email has been delivered and is sitting in the inbox, do they then change the content of that website to be from benign to malicious. 
And so are there retroactive ways that you can then alert or address that message, which now contains a malicious link? And then, of course, the last area is the malwareless attacks around impersonation attacks and business email compromise. And that, that's quite a bit different because looking for those attacks uh, require different techniques than, than looking for traditional malware. But today, as you invest in email security solutions, the solution you choose really should have all of those capabilities. Thanks a lot, Steve, for sharing your thoughts on phishing attacks and how to prevent it, especially during an MA. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You were listening to Steve Ledzin for ISMG Nation. This is Suparna Goswami. Thank you for listening.